Welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. Every week, we talk to filmmakers, adventure junkies, writers, musicians, vagabonds, people that veer off the beaten path. We dig into topics like how to execute ambitious projects, overcome extreme obstacles, and find the things that drive you. Find your true north. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This week, I'm talking with someone I discovered on Instagram through her beautiful photos and travel stories. Her name is Joanna Califatis. She's an actress living and working in Los Angeles, as well as the travel blogger and photographer behind Lose the Map. When she's not auditioning or acting, she spends her time exploring other countries where she stays, eats, and drinks with the locals to really get to know the culture. In this episode, we dive in Joanna's journey into the creative arts, how an accident with a combi taxi changed the way she looked at her life, what she's learned from traveling solo, and how to write a captivating travel blog. We also talk about her love of acting, how to stay out of trouble while traveling, tips for moving to LA, and so much more. I had so much fun chatting with Joanna, and I think you'll get a ton out of this conversation. So without further delay, enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Joanna. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you, John? I'm doing well myself. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I've been following you on Instagram for a while now, um, some of your exciting travels, and it's great to get you on the show. I'm happy to be here. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so right now, where where did you just come from most recently? I know you've been doing some traveling, and uh, where are you podcasting from? <laughs> I'm um, currently podcasting from Los Angeles, which is theoretically my home although i've been here like two weeks this year so uh technically it's my base but i haven't actually been here that all that much i Mm -hmm. was in new york for a couple weeks for work and before that i was doing some uh writing and acting in uh, london which was really amazing i kind of fell in love with that city oh wow um yeah and then some travels around europe right after london and back here Great. It sounds like an exciting start to the year. So you, you consider your bag more of your home than a place? <laughs> uh, definitely. I mean, the ongoing joke with my friends is that like the airplane and the airport are more my home than any place. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. I want to dig into, you know, kind of what you're doing right now, how you make mm-hmm. your life work and your creativity. But let's just kind of start out with a little bit of a fun question. Uh, what What are you like most passionate and obsessed with right now? It could be anything from you know, a TV show or something you're working on or, or anything really, what are you kind of really into right now? What's your mind focused on the most? Ooh, I mean, TV show, just finished watching the handmaid's tale. And that was incredible. <laughs> so that was, that's oh, my nice. current obsession. <laughs> yes. Um, but right now, actually I'm trying to uh, do a photography project that I really need to, I guess, get back to lay for, for more time, but mm-hmm. hey, it's kind of been, it's been nagging at me for a while. And um, I think I just need to get around to it. Basically, the concept is like L.A. woman mm-hmm. because I, I really love Los Angeles. And I think the city is very, um, very stereotyped and misrepresented outside of it. And um, I know so many incredible, amazing women here who just, you know, do everything from getting Ph.D.s at Caltech to, you know, singing, songwriting, just to anything you can imagine. And I would love to do like kind of a photo almost like a humans of New York kind of thing. Yeah. But just a photo project showcasing, you know, all these great women of all, you know, shapes and sizes and colors and whatever, doing these amazing things in Los Angeles. And kind of, I always like, you know, breaking down people's 
preconceptions and myths about a city. So yeah, what what would you say are the worst stereotypes of LA? I lived out there for a couple of years too, so I kind of know where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely, you know, you always feel like you always hear that people are superficial, people are fake, people mm-hmm. are gold diggers, blah blah blah, and that's not. I mean, in my experience, I know way more people who make fun of that than are even remotely like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. And it's a city of, you know, it's what, 8 million people. Every neighborhood is completely different, too. So maybe if you hang out in a very specific subset, in a very specific place, you might get that. But, you know, then maybe it's just on you. Like, leave that group and leave that neighborhood. What's your problem? Exactly, There's so many people from so many different places kind of meeting and collecting there that... Yeah, that's it's a very small percentage. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds that sounds really exciting. Good luck on that project, and I'll definitely have to keep an eye out. Thank for you. It. Let's start with kind of where you're at right now. Um, you're into acting. You're a performer. You're a blogger, <laughs> photographer. It seems like you're doing a million different things. So just <laughs> kind of for, yes. <laughs> for people that don't know, kind of give an idea of how you've structured your life and what your focus on, is on in terms of work. Maybe your artistic passion you gave us a little bit of an idea with the photography project um kind of yeah where where are you at and where are you going so that's a great question that you know i would love to know more about myself because <laughs> <laughs> sometimes i feel like things just kind of happen and yeah yeah um basically i started i moved out here for acting uh six years ago and a few years ago i had always loved traveling and um I was writing freelance articles on the side to make some extra money because, shockingly, you know, starting acting in LA doesn't fully pay the bills. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and I don't know what happened. Basically, I was just uh, sitting home one day for the holidays. I was back with my folks in New York. Mm-hmm. And I was incredibly bored and had nothing to do. And I felt this kind of creative block, I guess, because I hadn't acted in a while and I wasn't getting um, – I was getting auditions, but I hadn't gotten anything and I felt very creatively kind of dead. Yeah. So I started, uh, I was like, you know, I want to write more about travel, but I don't want to do it on someone else's timetable. So I'm like, Oh, maybe I should start a blog. Um, and I just got on a camera. So I kind of started getting photography for the blog as well. And even though it started as a passion project, I, I kept, you know, writing and improving my photography and taking pictures and it started picking up steam and I started getting emails from people like, oh, would you like to write, you know, an article for us or could we mm-hmm. do a collaboration? So it just, it's weird. It just kind of, it started as a way for me to just be creative and do something I love in my downtime from acting. Yeah, and yeah. then it kind of took on a life of its own. And now it's, now I kind of do everything. I mean, my acting is picked back up. So there's definitely... I mean, depending on the time period, like I would say for the last um, for the last month, you know, the blog has definitely been more of a focus and I've been working on it a lot. And then maybe the first couple months of this year, I had an acting project like a big film. So I had to yeah. be there and the blog kind of took a back seat. So it's all just kind of, you know, seeing what you prioritize at any given moment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very interesting how you kind of make that all work and just are flexible and open to what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. What came first? What were you always more into the the creative thing or was travel kind of, did you always have the travel bug or did they come together? I, I saw that you were born in New York, but then lived in Greece for a while and then came back. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my family is Greek. So basically what happened is uh, I was born in New York cause they were here uh, working, but I, my first memories are in Athens. I don't really remember anything in New York. I moved oh, wow. there. Um, we moved there when I was a baby. So mm-hmm. like in my mind, you know, I, I grew up in Greece. <laughs> um, and then I moved back here uh, right before middle school, but I kept up a lot of contact with Greece. Like we still have our old house there. And I just remember literally, you know, 
the last day of school, my parents would come pick me up and we'd just go to the airport and go back to Greece yeah. <laughs> the entire summer. So uh, I kept, you know, I still go back a lot and I've kept in touch with the culture there and mm-hmm. my friends there and everything. Um, but the travel bug is interesting. So my parents are a little crazy like me with travel. They got <laughs> me my passport when I was six months old <laughs> yeah, yeah, for a first trip. So, and I always remember them. Even though, you know, sometimes you regret like the trips you took when you were really young because you don't remember as well as you'd like the places uh-huh. you went to. But it definitely started this thing of – I feel like it definitely started this thing of emphasizing the importance of travel and seeing new places and, you know, going to different places for me. Was there something that caught – like attracted you at, at the beginning in terms of um, just seeing new places? I guess what's what's that mean for you? Well, I think that the where I really picked up the travel bug was when I did my study abroad in college because I got on this program where um, I was doing economics. So we're like studying uh, the developing economies, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I went two months to Brazil and two months to South, South Africa and I stayed with host families. And I think that for me was when I really, really caught a travel bug because like it was a completely different way to see a place. I mean, you're staying with local people, you know, my my amazing host mother in Brazil I loved her and she cooked amazingly. Yeah. I had to learn some conversational Portuguese because she barely spoke English. <laughs> <laughs> then when I was in Cape Town, I had so many deep discussions with my host siblings about like society there and what had happened after apartheid and all that. It was so interesting to yeah. see like actual local perspectives. And I think that's where I got the bug for like, like meeting you people isn't just meeting you people. It's kind of seeing how people raised in different cultures think. Uh-huh. And seeing how you yourself might be wrong or might have not considered a perspective when it comes to some things. So that's always interesting to me. Because if you're always only in one culture, you're just going to think that everything our culture does is, you know, the normal way to go. I mean, I think that's especially in the U.S. because we're, you know, I guess just so we project so much out there that we just feel like we're we're the center of the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. And then you go somewhere else and you're like, oh, oh, wait, it's it's not that way. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> like, I definitely think um, digging into the culture and... It's it's the best way to learn a more realistic history of that area too from the people that are there because again everything's so filtered through that lens of your culture. Mhm. Well, and especially I mean god history lessons in um high school here aren't really like the way to go when learning the reality of places yeah. around the world, you know. Yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that experience then stuck in your mind and um when when did you start traveling more on your own just for just for yourself to kind of see the world that would have to be like i had done some i would always kind of get away um especially living in la like i love just getting in my car and going yeah <laughs> uh when things just got to be a little too much and i just wanted to see something new so i i loved uh like 4 years ago i started just getting in my car and going all around the southwest and absolutely loving it because i think there are a few places like, you know, the West, Southwest U.S. in the world where you can just be driving and barely see a town or anything for 100 miles. You know, like in Europe, you don't get that. Um, so I was always kind of fascinated with the nature here and everything. So I started doing that. And then three years ago, I started doing actual solo trips. My first big one was I did a six-week trip. I went uh, two weeks to Japan, and then I flew to Barcelona for a travel conference. And then I took the train east till I got to Budapest. And nice. It was one of the most incredible experiences, especially being alone in Japan is something I recommend <laughs> everyone does if they can once in their lives because it will increase our tolerance for frustration amazingly. Yeah, because uh, most Japanese don't speak much English or many other languages, right? Yes. And it was like one of the most incredible experiences 
in my life. And it, but there were definitely times where it was like really frustrating and I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm like, well, I don't understand how anything works, <laughs> you know? Talk a little bit about those first experiences traveling alone. What's, were there any anxieties leading up to that or were people trying to like hold you back and um, questioning your sanity? <laughs> there were definitely anxieties from other people. Yeah. <laughs> Not so much for some reason. I don't know if I'm a, I happen to be like an overly positive person or I'm one of those people who are just like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Um, I wasn't really anxious for traveling alone in, in terms of safety or anything. I mean, I think, you know, I'm pretty street smart. Like I've lived in big cities. I don't, I didn't think I was going to get into any trouble, mm-hmm. but there was definitely anxiety. I mean, you know, I'm the only child of like immigrant parents. There, there was definitely anxiety from other people like, oh, what are you doing? Especially from relatives. Like you got to yeah. go alone. And the number one question everyone asked me, which it's so amazing to me. They go, um, well, you know, how do you stand it? Don't you get bored? And I'm like, first of all, again, only child. I don't get bored being alone at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need my alone time. Figured that out. But second of all, I'm like, you're exploring this amazing new place. How, like, you would have to try really hard to be bored when you're in this entirely new country with all this, like, you know, new stimuli just coming at you all day. <laughs> true, true. Um, yeah, I'm never bored when I travel solo. And it's so weird how people are so anxious that, like, you're going to be unsafe or you're going to be bored. I'm like, I've never felt I and actually on one of my travels I was um my camera was stolen so I did actually experience something kind of negative. Uh-huh. But it still didn't feel I'm like all right you know well things happen. I mean my car's been broken into in San Francisco um I was almost broken into actually I avoided it last minute but in San Francisco and I know people who've been mugged you know in LA and in New York wouldn't without ever leaving their hometown so I'm like it doesn't really matter to me. <laughs> yeah, do you have any kind of anything you go through in your mind to kind of let go of that type of stuff? Because I feel like a lot of people just kind of hang on to it and just wallow in the the fear, the anxiety, or the pain of being, you know, taken advantage of. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I it's understandable for sure. But I think for me, what keeps me, and this is going to sound super nerdy, but what keeps me kind of grounded, I'm always like a big data numbers person. So in my mind, I'm like, statistically, I'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> but besides that... um, Honestly, I think it just, it comes down to trusting your instinct because there are times where just I, I've sent something going wrong. It's like, get get yourself out of that situation. And I think when you actually throw yourself into the situation of traveling abroad alone, you actually come out more confident and more secure in yourself and you start worrying less about those things because you kind of just learn to trust yourself and you learn that you can handle more and are capable of more than you would think. Yeah. And th- there's no one really to hold your hand when you're out there alone. So you've, you've got to figure it out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. You just have to figure out a way to do it. Like when, you know, I got my camera stolen. I'm like, okay, I can only spend so much time like crying and being annoyed at myself. Now I actually have to go do something and like find the Hungarian police and mm-hmm. find a translator for the Hungarian police. Yeah, and, Hungarian's not an easy you know. one. <laughs> nope. Nope. I have no knowledge of that language. Yeah, yeah I was just there. And uh, it's funny because, well, at least in Budapest, I mean, almost everyone speaks English. So as soon as you even mm-hmm. try to speak Hungarian, they're just like, yeah, we'll we'll use English. <laughs> yeah, hey, we're good. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. You can only spend so much time like wallowing or like crying because I know you missed your train or whatever. Then it's like, all right, I got to figure out a solution. No one's here to do it for me. I, I got to do it myself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What's your process for for meeting and kind of getting taken in by locals? Because it seems like you're really interested in culture and oh yeah, and so much meeting people and and seeing kind of the the actual day-to-day life of these places as opposed to just hitting all the touristy spots. So what's, what's kind of your, do you, do you couch surf or anything like that? 
do you um, just meet I've people? definitely, I, I prefer doing Airbnb. I've done couch surfing a couple of times, but I definitely love doing Airbnb because when you live in an apartment, like in a neighborhood, you automatically get in a different kind of routine from, I, I do think that like high up hotels and especially luxury hotels, they kind of, they remove you from your surroundings. They're not meant to, you know, make you part of a city so much as like give you this secluded bubble of, in a city. Yeah. Um, so I think doing couch surfing or Airbnb definitely helps. And then honestly, I think the first thing I do when I get to most cities, I like to find a cafe I like or a bar I like and just go. I mean, when I, when I first went to London, um, three months ago and I hadn't really met anyone. I got there on a Saturday and I was experiencing intense jet lag. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was Saturday at a, you know, 9 PM and I was like just wide awake. Um, so I just went, I literally just walked out my apartment, went to a pub down the street and just started talking to people and people are surprisingly receptive when you're, when you're alone, you realize that people are surprisingly receptive to like, talking to you and starting conversations if they're in a good mood, if they're out, you know, having coffee or having a beer or whatever. Yeah. Um, they really love meeting people and they love meeting people who travel, especially, you know, <laughs> that's the great thing about being a traveler. You always have a couple of stories you can, you know, break in a conversation. With. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so. And I feel like the default for a lot of people is like, oh, I would just love to do more traveling. So it's, you're they're kind of able to live vicariously for a minute. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Everyone's like, oh, I envy your job so much. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> What's your answer to people when they say, man, how do I travel more? What's, How do you make it happen? It seems too expensive. It seems right. I can't get away. For me, it definitely helps that, you know, to tell the truth, it definitely helps that I make some of my money from my travels because, yeah. you know, I sell some of my photos and I write articles about it. And I'm not going to lie, that obviously does help. But I do think like... With some exceptions, because there are people who are, you know, have a lot of financial hardship or whatever. And I completely understand that. And that, mm -hmm. I mean, that sucks, you know, but I do feel that a lot of people who tell me I wish I could travel more and then kind of insinuate that, you know, oh, I'm spending all this money on travel while they're, you know, not doing that. And they can't do that. They spend so much money on these other, like, these other things, like they'll go for a shopping spree and spend, you know, $600 or They'll like pay for a super expensive car or even if it's not to that extent, you know, it's like they'll be drinking at a bar like for three, four times a week or, yeah. you know, getting takeout or going out every night. I'm like cutting down on those expenses would actually go a long way. Like when I'm saving for a trip, I cook at home all the time. I make coffee at home. Um, I rarely get delivered or takeout. I don't I don't go shopping at all, like for anything unless I absolutely need like, you know, <laughs> unless I have like zero jeans left, I need to go <laughs> get something. And you're, you'd be surprised how much that actually saves up towards travel, because especially now when you have all these, you know, budget airlines, even internationally popping up everywhere, like with Norwegian and everything. Yeah. I mean, you can get to Europe now for like 400 round trip if you book in advance. And if you use miles correctly, you can get there for free. Yeah, exactly. Constantly seeing deals for like under yeah. $400 round trip. Exactly. And when you, and when you get there, people, you know, you don't have to pay for like a luxury hotel or resort people like, you know, just get go to a hostel or get like a nice price airbnb and you the money actually will go much further so i think a lot of people who are like oh i wish i could travel some of them yeah would be really hard for them to and i get that but some of them i think it's not that they don't have the money to travel it's that that's not what they prioritize like they yeah. just spend their money on other things so yeah so just be like no i don't want to travel i want to buy shoes <laughs> basically yeah <laughs> just admit it <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I just want fancy dinners every night. It's like, fine, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. you know, don't complain you don't have the money to, so. 
What do you think the biggest personality or character change you've had after all this solo travel? <laughs> um, I would say the two biggest ones are I've definitely gotten much more confident and much more outgoing out of kind of a necessity for that. Yeah. Um, because, and that's the other question I get when people are like, oh, how do you meet people? I'm not outgoing like you. I'm, I'm like, I was the shyest person in the world. I mean, up till, you know, college, people would speak to me and I'd, I'd be too shy to reply sometimes. Like we're talking a level of, you know, insanity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's not that I, I was naturally this outgoing, like gregarious kind of person, but it just, it happened. I just started meeting people and I liked meeting people. So I made more effort to do so. And it just kind of, it became my personality now. That's uh, awesome. Do you have an example of like, say you before and you after in terms of a situation? Um, where travel changed me. Yeah. Like yeah. how it react. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I'm trying to think of something specific. There's definitely like I see it now um, with acting, actually, because it is something where you do have to network a lot at these events. Mm -hmm. And I do see myself now when I go to these, you know, like film festivals or whatever. And there are people that I'd like to meet because, you know, they might be able to help out or they're just good people to know. Like before I was I would never have walked up to them. Like I just I felt completely really shy. I felt there would be, you know, I didn't even know how to approach people. So I was waiting for someone to introduce me. And if that didn't happen, I just never talked to these people who could potentially be really helpful for my career. Yeah. And now I do see that when I am at these events, I find it very natural to just go up and be like, hi, you know, we haven't met, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> and I, I see the difference. I see how traveling has actually helped my work in that aspect. So, <laughs> yeah, you just kind of skip over that anxiety that normally would be there and just jump in. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason, like the anxiety is just in the beginning, it was learning to deal with it. And now it's just not even there, honestly. Like the more you do it, the more it just kind of goes away, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. How long have you been traveling now in this capacity? Oof. Um, I'd say three to three to four years, about. Is that how long the blog's been going on? Uh, it's been going on about that long. I'd say maybe three years, actually, for the blog, plus, uh, three plus years. Um, it started originally as goroadtripping.com because that's when I was doing all my road trips around the around the u.s oh okay yeah i saw that link online i was like oh first first iteration <laughs> it was my initial blog and that's the thing you kind of discover things as you go along and at some point you know i sat down i'm like you know what i don't want this to be just about road trips though and i want to kind of inject my my love for like other places and people and cultures and whatever into my blog so i just had a brainstorming session with a friend and we're throwing around you know blog titles and whatever and lose the map came up and I just fell in love with it. I'm like, yes, yes, that is exactly what I do. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. When did you decide that the blog was a more serious thing? Did it just start out as like, hey, this is kind of a fun way to, to capture things? Yeah, I mean, it definitely started out as a passion project. And then it got more serious. Like, I, I would say four months in, maybe I started getting some emails from people like, oh, you know, write this for us, write this for us. And then I was like, it was good for me because instead of pitching for freelance articles that I'd done in the past, you know, people were coming to me and I didn't have to do the pitching so much. Um, and then after that, I'd say a year into it, I, instead of using it as a platform to write for other publications, I'm like, wait, I could actually just, you know, make a, some of my money off this. So yeah. I just uh, started going to conferences like TBEX. I started looking up, I mean, there's so many resources online, like travel blog success is a great one. Just kind of seeing, how to monetize and how to grow following and how to just, you know, work within a niche. So uh, yeah, I would say that happened a year after I started. So when you, when you started out, you were actually seeking out other publications to write for. I mean, when I started out, I was basically just doing a creative project. Mm -hmm. And then a few months in, it just happened that 
that's what it became a platform for me to write for other publications because I was just getting emails from other editors. I see. Um, and then I just realized, no, you know what? But I also want people to hear my articles the way I like to write them, <laughs> what I like to write about. So yeah. So what what do you like to write about? What would you say is kind of unique about your blog? Well, definitely. So you know, there's been a conversation I keep having with myself, kind of about <laughs> what direction. Because when you have a blog, I feel like every so often you're like. Am I doing what I wanted though, or do I want to write about something else now? Yeah. Um, I definitely like like one of some of my favorite articles. The one one that gets a lot of traffic is one hundred and one ways to travel like a local, and it's basically because people kept asking me like, "How do you meet local people? How do you do these local things?" I'm like, "Oh, I should write an article about that." Uh -huh. <laughs> so definitely getting local perspectives. I have a couple of interviews up there on people um, people who have done either long term travel or to live locally in a place that I thought was cool, like. Um, this girl I know who worked six months at McMurdo Station in Antarctica, and I'm like, well, I have to find out what that's like. Yeah. Not many people have had, obviously, that experience. So I definitely get like like to get people's perspectives. And I also love to do, I just an article in Amsterdam, kind of five myths about Amsterdam and if they're true or not. And I've done a similar one, travel myths about Greece, because I think that's, you know, like my LA woman photography project, that's what I like the most, just kind of changing people's perceptions of what a place is really like. Yeah, I just read the Amsterdam one. That was good. I, yeah, especially the, the marijuana myth. I didn't realize yeah. it's technically not legal there. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's crazy. And uh, when you go there, like, you know, go to those coffee shops. I mean, you know, do whatever you want, but obviously, but go to those coffee shops is such a tourist thing to do. It's so funny. Like most locals just <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's like any big, big city. I feel like there's so much oh, of tourism, course. you know, that the, the locals are just like, oh, God, <laughs> here come the oh, tourists. My, I mean, definitely. When people come and visit me in LA, they're like, yeah, let's go to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Oh, I'm like, yeah. oh, That was no. the worst living there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I actively avoid that area all the time, but I guess I have to go now. Yeah. And then they realize, they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Hollywood's kind of beat up and not not that big. Right. It's crazy. People, especially like my friends coming from Greece, people coming from other countries, they have this idea that like Hollywood is the glamorous part. I'm like, no, no, no. That's Beverly Hills. That's the hills. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not. Hollywood is kind of dirty and disgusting. So yeah. it's where all the dreams are broken. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Hollywood is what happens like when people don't move up. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So when did the the photography you just started doing that as part of the blogging then? Yeah, the photography just started basically. Um, it just so happened that when I started the blog, I had uh, just gotten a camera, and um, so I started working with it, and then I I really. I mean, I really fell in love with it. So I started working even more on photography than my writing possibly. <laughs> and it's interesting that it does make you see a place. Like we always have these discussions with photographers that photography helps you see a place or kind of hinders you from actually experiencing a place. Mm -hmm. And I think you, you should definitely have times where you just put the camera down and, you know, are somewhere. Um, but photography is also interesting because it, it, like seeking out photo opportunities kind of takes you sometimes to places you wouldn't expect and it takes you down roads and alleys and paths that you might have not gone down otherwise in yeah. search of like a scenic thing to photograph so for me it, it it's always interesting and it helps me see different i mean one of my favorite things to do when i get to the city is just start walking with a camera and see where i end up so <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't want to get into details of um your setup too much but what do you what do you do in terms of camera just to kind of keep things more mobile? Do you just have a smaller, smaller camera or? Um, that would be the smart thing to do. <laughs> I did get a Sony. I did get a Sony Alpha 500, which I, I've actually used it rarely, but it does help. Like, like if I want to get pictures of I'm out at night or something and I want to get pictures or I'm in a more 
maybe dicey neighborhood. It helps not to be car- carrying around like a giant DSLR. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I do use that. And the picture quality is honestly great. Like unless you're doing very specialized shots, you're going to get a just fine picture. But my general camera is a Canon 5D Mark III for which I have like a standard and a wide angle lens. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say to anyone aspiring to start photography – Know that it is much more physical than you thought. <laughs> yeah. Because I'll say when I did my little five-day trip in Europe after London, and I was walking easily like 10 miles a day with, you know, my camera backpack on me. At the end of that, like my legs and my back were just absolutely killing me. <laughs> yeah, so. that's a lot. Do you ever find yourself just taking pictures with the phone because it's easier? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, they do say that, you know, the best camera is the one you have on you. So if I have my phone, I'll take my phone, but I generally, ah, it kills me when I I see something great and I don't have at least a camera on me. It's not the Sony, but yeah, I'll take a picture with my phone, obviously. (laughs) Is there anything you've done over the years to, to improve your photography specifically, or is it just kind of evolved as you've taken so many pictures? Um, I mean, I think photography is a bit like, it's a bit like driving just anything practical where. I've definitely, um, I've seen tutorials and seminars um, online and I've had photographer friends of mine who are professional before I even started help me out. But it just comes down to like, just keep practicing and taking photos and, you know, you kind of figure out what works, what doesn't, like how you need to adjust your settings um, and just constantly try and correct yourself because there's nothing worse. Also, like, do check your photos while you're taking them because I don't know how this happens, but I know some people who will take like a full day of photos, never, ever look like just flip through them to see what they're taking yeah. and come back and realize that like everything was out of focus or everything was blown out because the ISO was high. Uh, like, that's the worst. How is that something you never yeah. checked during yeah. the day? <laughs> like ever. So yeah. Good idea. Look at your photos. Yes. If you take them. <laughs> Look at your photos. Yeah. But it really is just a practice thing. Like just keep taking photos and see what a, what you like to take photos of and your style and everything will just kind of emerge and you'll kind of, you'll just learn what's right and what isn't. Do you have any advice for anyone that's thinking of starting a travel blog? You said there's a lot of other resources online, but is there anything you recommend in terms of trying to make it something that you could actually support yourself with or some some of your travel? Yeah, I would definitely say, um, you know, look at the resources I mentioned, like travel blog success and all that, because they really do help. And I would also say that it's gotten so competitive now and there's so many travel blogs popping up that the more you can niche down, like the better it is for you. I mean, I know this, I forget the name of the blog, unfortunately, but I know this one girl who does, um, she does kind of like fairy tales and myths and all over the world. So yeah. like she'll go to places where fairy tales have been based out of that or that they're legends about. And it's a very specific niche, but she got a following out of it, you know, because it's something ultra specific. Um, so I'd say, yeah, the more you can niche down instead of just doing a general travel blog, the better it probably is. And if you're not going to niche down, Make sure you write with a lot of personality and kind of try to get people following you for that. And that's another thing I had to get over when I wrote a blog because I didn't like opening up aspects of my life and myself a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that, you know, when your readers read a travel blog, they can get travel advice from from anywhere, from TripAdvisor. Yeah. Um, but they come to a travel blog because they want they want to connect with the way you see the world and the way you go about things. And Yeah, they want some personality, not just dry facts. Exactly. So they, at some point, you know, you have to get over yourself and kind of be like, no, I'm putting myself in this thing and that's how it's going to be. What inspires you to either write a blog post or take a picture? What are the, what are the things you look for the most? Hmm. I mean, that's always a tough one because I feel like some places I'll go to and I'll have like seven ideas for blog posts. I'm like, well, I can't write seven blog posts about one place, you know? Mm -hmm. And then other places I'll go to and I'm, I'm just, 
I can't think of how to approach them at all. But I do think um, what inspires me is probably it's usually a moment on the trip that inspires me. Like one of my favorite posts I wrote about recently was um, the, basically the how how you travel can affect how you are basically affects how you travel because I was in Belgium on a train next to this girl wearing, um, Oh, why can't I think of the word right now? Oh, wearing a hijab. Mm -hmm. And the train attendant was like absolutely horrible to her. And then we started talking and she was telling me how she had had, you know, kind of a bad experience in some of these cities that I had had an amazing experience. Yeah. And it stuck with me and I'm like, I kind of, I need to write about this because I mean, I feel like that's part of what a travel blog should do besides just, you know, pointing out things and locations, just kind of encapsulating all these different experiences out there. So and that actually got great responses from people who are like, yeah, you know, thanks for speaking up about this, because sometimes I explain to my friends who are, you know, maybe one of my black friends, like I explain to my white friends that maybe I don't have the same great experience you had in this place because I found it to be a super racist place, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's always something hard, but. Yeah, so sometimes it's just a moment in a trip that'll inspire an article. And sometimes it's just like when I did my Europe trip now, every city at the end of the day, I just kind of had a, a moment of like encapsulating what the city, what it is that stood out in the city that I wanted to write about. Like for Amsterdam, for example, it was the fact that the reality I found for locals was so different from the reputation that I wanted to write about that. And then for Brussels, it was just that the city, I love that city. Yeah. And everyone has this idea that it's like this cold, gray, boring place. So I'm like, no, 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 that needs to be corrected. Like the most underrated city in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, usually it's just like what it's in the end of the day thought of like, what did I think of this? How was a city to me? So <laughs> do you try to get off the, the beaten path more to where you're not even in like a big city, just little towns, things like that? I definitely love going to little towns. I mean, the thing is, I am a city girl at heart. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I love being in huge cities. I do love going, though. It's surprising how even in big touristy cities, there are neighborhoods where, like, there are no tourists and no tourists go. Yeah. <laughs> it's shocking to me. Um, so, yeah, like when I was in uh, Paris, I was staying at a mama shelter in Paris, which was in this waste neighborhood where we might have been like the only tourists there, just the people in that yeah. uh, boutique hotel kind of. Everyone else was local Parisian. So yeah, I do like to go to small towns, um, but I do like to explore cities. But when I do, I either, either I connect to locals somehow online before I get there to kind of figure out where they hang out versus where tourists hang out. Mm -hmm. Or, um, I mean, at this point, like I've been traveling enough where I can usually find like a friend of a friend that lives there to kind of, you know, meet up with and give me the lowdown. So that's a great way to connect. And now, especially with um, social media online, it's surprising how easy it is to connect with people who live somewhere and just be like, oh, do you want to meet up for coffee? Or do you just want to just tell me the best places to go yeah, that you would yeah. hang out with with your friends? That's and sometimes it's just a matter of exploring it. You know, just start going away from the crowd. Like when you're walking, just see where the tourists are going, go in the opposite <laughs> direction and see, <laughs> see if anything yeah, happens. It's usually the best idea. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's amazing to me. Even um, I think it just started, you know, being in Athens so long. There's so many neighborhoods in Athens where you don't see any tourists at all. And like the neighborhoods where there are tourists in the summer, you know, Greeks don't really go to because they're so packed and crowded at that point. Um, and it's amazing to me. Like I hang out in Greece in the summer and I never see tourists in the places I hang out at. So, uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, how structured is your travel usually? Do you have like things that you want to see in a certain order or do you just kind of go to a town um... and figure it out when you get there? <laughs> usually not at all structured. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It's I will my kind do of some travel. like 
Yeah. <laughs> like I will do some preliminary. If I've never been somewhere, I don't want to like miss something major because I didn't know about it. Um, so I'll do like a little peruse, maybe a couple blogs I mm. like, or just look online of like, oh, this is interesting. And if I get to it, if I get to it. But um, usually my research before is more like phrases to know or generally if some neighborhoods are, you know, super unsafe just to avoid them. Yeah. Um, but it's my research has more to do with like getting around than it has to do with having a specific checklist of place to go. Just like picking up a few phrases and knowing how to, you know, do some things when you get there and what's the best method of transportation and then just kind of figuring out on my own. So Yeah. Yeah. And I I just recently went to Eastern Europe for the first time and really nice. the first time out of the country by myself. So um I kind of experienced that uh moment where I probably should have done more research on the getting around part because right. <laughs> you, you can spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to get around once you're there if you don't have a little bit of a plan. Oh, um, I can imagine because infrastructure also in some of those cities isn't the best. So Yeah, like, exactly. And a, yeah. Lot of, a lot of times the train stations, it's like not there's not too much English being spoken there. So nope. <laughs> yeah, <you're, laughs> there's a lot of pointing at times that you wrote on a notepad and hoping people understand you. <laughs> Basically doing like pantomime yeah. sign language and hoping yeah. someone picks up. But it, it is kind of amazing how you can survive in a in a place without any knowledge of the language and just kind of waving around and <laughs> making gestures at people. Oh, yeah. Isn't it incredible how much you can actually communicate without being able to say one word to each other? Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, so you don't have to fear that stuff. No, no, I totally agree. But this is why, you know, it's nice to do some research and just knowing how to get around once you're there, because I've mm -hmm. been definitely in that situation before. Um, and, you know, the number one thing I tell my friends who want to visit Greece, it's like, you know, do your research, but also be aware that if you're going here in the summer, they may be striking. So all your research might mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. Because <laughs> there might be like ship strikes or like taxi strikes or mm -hmm. whatever. So. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. You can't get around. So. so you're doing all this traveling, this blogging, photography, and you also do acting. How do you kind of manage that? And you said you were you were out in L.A. pursuing acting um, before you kind of started all of this. So maybe yeah, maybe well, go back a little bit, just kind of the genesis of the, the acting and how that. How do I manage out. that? Yeah. I mean, I manage that sometimes with very little sleep. Uh, depends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, when I started the blog, actually, I was in LA acting. But when I started the blog, I was experiencing huge downtime, so I really wasn't getting yeah. any acting jobs. So it's not like it was cutting into my time then. But then when things started picking back up, that was a different story. So, I mean, there are definitely times where I have to scale back a bit on the blog and how often I post and everything. Um, I do like to keep my social media blog going. So for example, if I know, like if I know I've booked an acting project and I will have to be on location for a month, you know, doing crazy 14 hour shoot days, mm -hmm. I'll sometimes like maybe write a couple blog posts, automate my social media. So it's going out automatically while I'm on set. So I don't have to worry about that so much. Yeah. So definitely pre-planning does help a lot with that. And the good thing about acting is it does tend to be a gig kind of thing. So like either you're doing something for a few weeks or you're not doing almost anything except for like an addition here and there. Yeah. And that obviously gives me a lot of free time when that's the case. So yeah, just like using the free time you have to plan for when you don't have free time, basically. <laughs> that's true. How do you manage getting gigs while you're kind of out there on the road? Do you have agents kind of working for you or? Well, I do spend a majority of my time like in a city where I have representation. That's the thing. Like uh -huh. I'll travel and go, but um, LA is my home base. And um, part of the reason I was in London this year is because uh, I had a great agent there, so I could be based out of there, and she sent oh, me nice. out for things at the same time. Yeah. I mean, there's also self-taping and stuff like that, but agents do really prefer that you're around when they send you out. So uh. 
yeah, so <laughs> weird agents, right? <laughs> but yeah, I do kind of try to schedule most of my travels for downtime. So like summer, you know, is a big hiatus for TV and stuff. So I schedule a lot of my travels there. Um, also, December, January is kind of downtime. I schedule traveling there. So I just I schedule travel for the downtime and also do spend a significant amount of time with an agent uh-huh, in the city. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I guess London's probably a good home base for traveling around Europe, too. So you can kind of jump jump in and out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm actually going through a process now of kind of reconsidering maybe making London my permanent oh, yeah? base because I absolutely love the city. It's so easy to get everywhere. You're like, going to give up all those that, sunny days, though? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll deal. <laughs> but it's so amazing. I love the city, but it's also so easy to get everywhere. I That's mean, you have you know, Ryanair and EasyJet flights. And I got to Paris three hours by train. You know, it was so easy. And and it's easy to also go back then. That's a good thing. You know, like if you're if you're traveling somewhere in Europe and your mm-hmm. agent's like, oh, I can get you something really big in two days. Like, well, yeah, I can get back there really easily and cheaply. <laughs> so. Yeah. And London compared to LA is way easier just to get around itself. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I did not miss being stuck in traffic at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Good old 405. Oh God. So, thank God that most of my auditions do not take me there oh, because nice. that freeway is a mess. So. <laughs> and the parking lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you go into a little bit of detail about how you got into your your love of acting and why you decided to pursue it? Was it uh, when you were younger? I think I saw you you did some some dance and <laughs> acting and stuff I in did, school. Yes, I had a very uh, musical theatrical upbringing for okay. sure. I did um I did ballet, flamenco. I did singing lessons. I played the piano, and I did theater. <laughs> are your parents? I'm used creative? to multitasking. <laughs> My it's actually interesting. My parents are um. My dad works in construction and my mom's a stay at home mom. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't sing and they don't play instruments. So I don't know how it kind of happened with me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if maybe my mom is not, uh, she's not that musical herself, but she has a big appreci- appreciation for, um, like she took me to musicals and operas and everything since I was young. So I think maybe that started with me just cause my parents did, they do love the arts a lot, even though they're not. A part of them so much <laughs> do you have a moment where you could kind of remember being like oh, i really want to do this kind of stuff well i think the thing is i think i always had that i think i just when i was younger i had this more practical thing that was like no it's not you know feasible to study acting it's mm. not a career option let me you know go to college and then get a master's in something and keep going that way um I mean, my very first performance <laughs> my very first performance was in third grade yeah <laughs> um <laughs> And ever since then, like, I was just obsessed. And I went to a very musical high school, and we did, like, theater. Um, we did musicals and one acts and operas and every year. Um, and I continued in college doing stuff at the New York Film Academy, like, doing student films just for fun. And the one moment I had where I absolutely realized that I had to move out to LA and do this is actually on my study abroad trip in college. The very last day I was in Cape Town, I got in a pretty bad accident, a combi taxi. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they drive like insane people. Um, I've heard of them. Yes. Uh, so a combi taxi hit me when I was crossing the street Ugh. and I was hospitalized for 10 days and thank God, like there's no lasting damage, but it was a really severe wake up call. Like the doctor's I basically have the doctors coming in every day being like, yeah, you should have been hurt much more badly than this. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I had um, my femur broke and I had a partial uh, lung collapse on the left side. So like it was still pretty bad, but it was definitely, you know, I tell people and they think I'm crazy. I'm like probably one of the best things to happen to me in my life because I kind of woke up and I'm like, 
yeah, I could have died today. What am I doing exactly? <laughs> Why am I doing what I like doing? Yeah. And this is when you were studying economics? Yeah, this is when I was studying economics and studying abroad. And I just, I got back to the States. It was the end of my junior year. I'm like, I'll finish out my senior year. I'll use spring break to go out to LA and kind of look at neighborhoods and start meeting people, get a feel for it. And I'm just uh, moving out. What do you have in terms of advice for for making that kind of move? Because I feel like a lot of people... Well, try not to get hit by a car well, to do it. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a little extreme. If you can avoid that part. Yeah, try <laughs> so... to have like a more normal awakening moment. <laughs> <laughs> but for the people that have decided like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in pursuing this. You know, there's so many people that move out to L.A. and it, it can eat people up pretty quickly and spit them out the other side. What are, oh, What's your advice for trying to, to do it I in mean... a realistic way where you can actually make make the progress because it's more of a marathon i feel like than a sprint you know people think they're gonna go out there and a couple weeks later get lucky and it's gonna happen well that's the number one thing i tell people because and i was really guilty of this myself so it's not like me lecturing but Mm -hmm. like have have longer expectations because you know we all get here and we all think like oh within a year to have a great age and that doesn't necessarily happen (laughs) um at all and i think the people who went out in the end are the people who just stay at it because I'll say from the people that I met six years ago when I moved out here who are trying acting, the vast majority of them have either like stopped doing acting or doing something else or have moved back home. Um, and the ones who are still here are having some level of success. Um, so I think it is definitely a marathon. Be prepared for like a lot of years of not of feeling very discontent with where you are (laughs) Mm -hmm. and know that that never really goes away. (laughs) Um, and also the thing I would say is the great thing about LA is that you might be going through a lot of shit times with acting, but there's a lot of people who are going through the same shit times. So yeah. <laughs> surround yourself with that community and those people because like the one thing I did miss uh, when I was abroad in London, for example, is none of my friends there with one exception did acting. Mm-hmm. So when I'd hang out with them, it was so hard to explain like the audition process and you know why it was a big deal to get a call back but not a role. Like it was just hard because they didn't have the same reference points. Whereas in LA, everyone I hang out with is like, Actor, writer, uh, camera operator, uh, you know, effects specialist, post-production. So everyone is in that world. So yeah. A, everyone can help you get connected also. But B, everyone kind of shares your pain and your schedule and gets it. <laughs> How do you overcome that feeling? Because I, I didn't go out there for acting. I was more on the camera side. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was writing too. I feel like everyone's doing a little bit of everything. But oh, I, yeah, definitely. But I also know a lot of actors out there too. And I feel like a lot of times people are kind of setting themselves up for that pick me kind of mentality where you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to do something, show off, hope someone sees it. And I, th- I think that's one of the things that just can become exhausting and kind of wear people down because they're always putting on this persona of like, Hey, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, pick me. Um, how, I don't know if you've struggled with that at all, but how do you think, Oh yes. <laughs> how do you think either you or some, some of the other successful friends you have, have been able to kind of overcome that and kind of keep going and, and stay positive? I mean, I think my response to that was, it would be, you never really overcome it. You just learn to deal with the lows because yeah. like I have some great highs here when, you know, I book a great project or whatever, but then I also have, you know, periods of time where I'm like, what am I doing? Well, you know, why did I ever do this? Uh, screw a lace for everything. <laughs> like there are definitely, and when you get to those moments, like experience it, call up a friend, bitch about it, and then just keep going. And, what I'd say is just like, remember why you're doing it in the first place and remember, you know, kind of, you really need to have a love for acting. Like, I think a lot of people who end up breaking down also maybe don't really care so much about whatever art they're pursuing 
and they more like, oh, I wanted to become like rich and famous super quickly. Yeah. Um, so Always just like remember why you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So it's like even if like you have acting friends get together, do a sketch, a sketch, a sketch, <laughs> do a sketch, whatever that is. A sketch and a sketch. A sketch and a sketch, yeah. Um, but do a sketch, like do something, do anything, go see theater, just get when you feel yourself like losing it completely, just remember why you loved it. Like, and there will be low moments and just deal with those low moments and just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best advice I can give. And know that everyone has them. Cause I was coincidentally talking to an actor friend of mine who's been doing it longer and definitely, you know, way more successful at this point. And I was kind of, you know, having my complaining period of like, Oh, I don't know what the next step is. I don't know how to get it uh, higher. And he goes, and I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, I was where you're at. And he goes, you know, that never goes away, right? Like, you know, that <laughs> I'm sitting there saying the same things to my other, like, that's just always uh -huh. something that's going to happen. Like, you could become like an A-list movie star and you'll probably be like, oh, but I really wanted that role. And why did they give it to this person instead? And like, yeah, exactly. It never goes away. <laughs> Do you think since you started the blog and, and started traveling and actually having some success with that, that's taken either taken a little bit of the pressure off from that kind of Definitely. Processes or Definitely. even giving you just like another way to another creative release to keep a hold of my sanity. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> no, I mean, having the blog has helped immeasurably because a, I have something creative I'm doing when I'm not acting because mm -hmm. that's what's driving me crazy before. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm here to act and I'm not being creative. I'm just like meeting people and, you know, networking and whatever. And it's not in marketing and I'm not doing yeah. anything creative. So it definitely helps as a creative outlet. And it also helps just walking into the room on the, into the audition room with a kind of confidence, like not walking in being like, I really need this. I absolutely need this. Otherwise I have nothing to do. Like, <laughs> yeah. Desperation never works. Exactly. Oh yeah. And people can smell that from a mile away and they don't want that person. Um, so it definitely helps just walking in and being like, you know what? I could take this or leave this. I hope I get the part, but if you don't give it to me, that's fine. I'll move on. Like, yeah. Do you have any either rituals or kind of daily habits that you do to to keep you on track, either, you know, just, just for your own sanity or specific to becoming a better actor, becoming a better blogger, anything like that that you think would be helpful, helpful for other people possibly? I, I do something called um, 750 words online, which is basically, um, creative people know this thing. They recommend you do like three pages of just freehand writing when you wake up. Yeah, like morning pages, um, Julia Cameron. Morning pages, exactly, yeah. yeah. So there's a website actually where you can just go do that and it logs it and tracks your progress online called 750words.com. Mm -hmm. And that's always a great way to start the day because you get all this like just all this terror like shit out of your system basically. So you can be like, all right, now I can start the day in a clean slate without like a hundred <laughs> little worries. And yeah. am I doing this right? What's wrong? No, no, no. So it just kind of – it helps you organize your thoughts and start the day in a much calmer way. Um, so that's my morning ritual. And – I think, you know, everyone has things that work best for them. Like, I know I'm not a super productive person in the morning, so I'll do that, have a long coffee and breakfast, kind of, you know, take my time. And then I know I'm going to get really productive, like, early afternoon, afternoon, evening. So, <laughs> but I do think it, it helps to have, even though I lose my structure a lot if I'm on set or on the road, it helps to have some kind of, some kind of idea of, like, what you do each day, Um like I do try to, I use some apps and websites to help track my time, make sure I'm not wasting time. Um, like this called rescue time.com, which tracks the websites you go on to. So yeah. you don't like 
Spend you know, completely zone out. <laughs> right. So you don't then go back and it's like, oh, you spent three hours on YouTube today. It's like, ah, shit. So, <laughs> you know? Do you plan your days out ahead of time? Anything like that? Not really. I mean, I have a, I just kind of check my mail and see what I have to do. I have an ongoing to-do list, obviously. And, you know, I'll make one the day before and then I'll check my mail in the morning and I'll add whatever comes up and just keep going. And I think what's the big change I made that really helped me is balancing the to-do list and like requests coming in from email and all that, mm -hmm. balancing that with the projects I want to do as well. Cause I found that at some point I was just responding to other people and doing things kind of on, um, like without really thinking about them. And I'm like, Oh wait, but I haven't written on the blog in like three weeks and I haven't done any acting stuff that I want to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm just responding to things. So I think it's definitely helpful to be like, yeah, make time for the things you want to do as well instead of just reacting and responding all the time. Yeah, you got to prioritize the time, mm -hmm. the important things before the urgent. Yes, exactly. Do you have anything as, when you're on the road? Because this is where I, I've been doing a little more travel lately too, and I I struggle to keep up with work <laughs> and things like that when you know I don't have a structure. I mean, it's hard enough kind of freelancing and doing things from home and trying to create your own structure, but when you're moving and you're trying to plan logistics and you're oh, trying to see impossible. things yeah. <laughs> yeah it could be extremely hard i don't know do you have any any way to stay on track or do you kind of just try to separate it so you do the work when you get back or when you have specific down days i mean for shorter trips um for short trips i'll definitely separate it more like maybe i'll um i'll get home and like you know upload all the photos maybe edit a few for social media for the next days um but I'll, i won't be doing much work work at that point because you know it's more like just going around taking the photos taking notes exploring blah 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 for longer trips though that's not an option because you can't be like i'm not going to do anything for two months right so yeah yeah for then i'd say the good thing is with longer trips though you can also take um like i, I always like to take a day you know go to a cafe so i could do like some people watching and be outside in the city but then work also so mm -hmm. i'll just take my laptop there do a bunch of work and i'll try to separate out days like that or i'll do um days where i'm like I'll be exploring and doing things till 4 p.m. And then I'll go home and work the rest of the day. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good way to do yeah. it. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything that you wish people would ask you when it comes to either your blog or, you know, kind of acting career? You know, I'm sure you get a lot of like repeat kind of um, obvious or, you know, maybe annoying questions. But is there something that you kind of just wish people would ask that you could give good advice? Huh. Yeah, because most of the questions I get are like, oh, how do you do it all and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm figuring this out as I go along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, questions I wish people would ask. Um, I mean, I can't th honestly think of anything specific because I feel like I've been um, asked almost every possible yeah. question about well, this. Maybe specific um, to travel because I feel like travel, a lot of people The like question for travel. I mean, I, I think I definitely wish people would kind of realize more how hard it can actually be because and maybe ask questions about because shockingly the the questions about the blog aren't really people just kind of assume you're on vacation 24 7 and i'm <laughs> like traveling for writing and photography in a blog is not the same as like you know lying by a hotel pool with a martini yeah and even if you do that it's probably just for an instagram shot and then you're gonna go keep working you know so <laughs> exactly um so i think the question i wish people would ask is more you know, what, what is it actually like versus what I'm seeing on social media? Because I, I do like to be obviously truthful when I'm writing and when I'm sharing my stories and travel. But to a certain extent, if you're growing a following on social media, whatever, you know, they always tell you like Instagram is an aspirational kind of channel. So 
I mean, you're not going to be uploading pictures of like, this was me waiting three hours in a train station because I missed <laughs> my first train. Like, this is me, um, you know, with my suitcase falling down the stairs because I yeah, overpacked. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like, no, hey, this is me being amazing here. This is me feeling great there. And I, I do wish people would ask more, like, what are the low points when you travel? Because there are definitely points where you're like, you know, you're frustrated or you're tired or you're just not able to communicate with anyone and it gets annoying. And everyone has low points like that. And obviously, you know, the high points completely outweigh it. But there are definitely points where you're like, you're just not having a great time. <laughs> yeah. And, th and those are the points where you actually probably grow the most, too. Oh, yeah, because those are the points that challenge you and force you to do something. Um, you know, instead of like crying at the train station, just figure out what you're going to do yeah. next. <laughs> Have you experimented with Instagram stories much? I actually I do like Instagram stories. I use them much more when I'm on the road. Like when I'm home, it's kind of hard. To... Yeah, you're like, well, here what I am I, working like... at the computer. <laughs> it's like here I am uh, editing and uh -huh. uh, writing <laughs> for the third day in a row. Super cool, guys. Mm -hmm. um, although, actually, I have started to. I did it a couple times, and I definitely want to do it more where I kind of do show that process as well. Like um, a couple of photographers I follow on Instagram do this cool thing where they kind of show the original photo and then the editing they do using Instagram story and, you know, then the end result. Yeah. So I feel like there's definitely room to do Instagram story stuff even when you're not on the road. Yeah. Um, but I love Instagram story just because it does show you a bit more of those real moments. That's like, what I was going to say, it, yeah. It doesn't have to be all polished. You see a little more of the vulnerable side. Yeah, exactly. You can sit there and be like, well, this is me completely lost and trying to find the tram in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people connect to that and laugh with that and are there with you, you know, and it doesn't all have to be polished and pretty and amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we can move to some more just kind of like fun, fun, lighthearted questions. Um, yeah, sure. What kind of media do you feel like you most consume, especially on the road right now? Like books, music, podcasts? What are you really into? I mean, I'm one of those people who listens to music all the time. Like literally I'll go in the shower and have music playing outside. Uh -huh. <laughs> so um, definitely music. And actually I'm thinking of starting this thing on my blog and social media next week because um, I, I, I think music can also be an awesome way to kind of enhance your experience. Like if you're yeah. listening to what, what's playing locally, you know, and it kind of just gets you more into the, the local vibe and the culture. Definitely music a lot, especially when you're in public transport all the time. You know, it, it's nice to be aware of your surroundings, but sometimes you just want to kind of get lost in your own world. <laughs> uh -huh. What are your top two um, or three right now in terms of music? Ooh, that's a hard one. I mean, I'm, I, I love some great pop. So I, I do love Sia quite a bit. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love all her stuff. Yeah. And my music is also very dependent, like the season. I feel like in the summer I get very pop and housey and in the winter I get more rock and hip hop coming in uh -huh. for whatever reason. Uh -huh. I don't know why <laughs> it just happens, <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> but yeah, definitely. And actually I really, so when I was traveling around, um, in Europe, I really got into, uh, Stromae, who's, he's the guy who did like a lot uh, oh God, I'm going to script pronunciation. Um, a long dance, like that pop hit that was everywhere three years oh, ago. Okay. Yeah. He's actually so he's actually a, a really popular guy, not only in Belgium but in Europe. He's like a huge pop star there, and um, he has a lot of songs and that you know they're not really playing in the U.S. And when I was in in not only Belgium but also in Paris and in London, I was hearing um, a bunch of them, and I got really into him. So I'm listening to a lot of his stuff there, and I definitely recommend people should check him out. He's still doing stuff, guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even though it's not playing in the U.S. anywhere. That's very cool. Do you have any any books that you recommend um, for traveling or just in general? Because I'm quite a big book nerd, so I'll read everything from like you know maybe maybe one travel and one in general. 
for traveling. Uh, I well, I read this great book actually by Rolf Potts, which is pretty well known, called Vagabonding, oh, and yeah. it's it's a great way. It definitely shows you how to like make do with less on the road and you know save up for travel. Um, and how to live that kind of life. So that's a great one if people are kind of don't know where to start from. And even if you're not going to travel full time, just as a, a kind of guide. Yeah. And besides that, um, I actually, I read a book that it, I feel like it sounds a little nerdy, but it's actually pretty cool. It's called uh, Prisoners of Geography. Hmm. And it's interesting because it's not really travel. It's more like geopolitical kind of things, but yeah. it's not too much details. It's It's more broad picture stuff. And every chapter is devoted to different regions. So you have like USA, Russia, China, then like Western Europe and whatever, and keeps going. It's interesting because it gives you a, it gives a wider perspective on like why countries in general have the foreign policy they have. Mm -hmm. Like for example, like why Russia is obsessed with Crimea. Like you get a better understanding of those kind of things, you know, how the alliances hold up in Western Europe. And even though it sounds, it's not written in in an academic tone. So it's like very accessible. And it's always, it's interesting because, you know, we do travel to learn more about the world. And for me, it teaches you something about the world also and like why every country is the way it is. So do you feel like it's a fairly non-biased look at that? It is fairly non-biased. Like the guy who, uh, the guy who wrote it is a British foreign journalist. He's been working about 30 years and like everything from war zones to just abroad. And he, he does have a fairly non-biased view of everyone, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way just to kind of see the relationships. I, I was recently talking to someone and he was... He was describing a lot of these relationships almost like each country was a person. And right. and when you do that, it kind of it makes a lot of sense the way people are like courting this person or, you know, trying oh, to exactly. gain it, it power makes over more, this person. Yeah. Makes it much more understandable. And mm-hmm. then the last recommendations I would do, my favorite travel writer, which I read all the time the road, is Bill Bryson, because he is oh, yeah. hilarious. He's like awesome. The first time I read one of his books, um, In a Sunburned Country, which is about Australia, I was on an airplane cracking up laughing people were <laughs> staring at me because i was just laughing out loud the entire time that's great <laughs> it's always great to look like a crazy person on a plane <laughs> yeah yeah when you're laughing at yourself it's always uh yeah <laughs> interesting to see what people are thinking <laughs> oh that i'm insane i know what people are thinking it's yeah, fine yeah. i don't care <laughs> so. stay away from her uh, <laughs> do you have anyone that you think of when you hear the word successful like who's the first person or a couple people that come to mind Wow. <laughs> um, that is a big question. Um, I, I would say, I mean, you know, there's a classic answer. Of, you th- I think of someone like Richard Branson who's just done like a million things and yeah. everything he wants to do. And But for me, like someone like that is successful, not just because, you know, they made billions and whatever he's worth right now. It's just because he did all these different things and just excelled in them so well, basically. So to me, that's always... Great to see. Um, I mean, that would be my the first person that leaps to yeah. mind. And yeah, he's got a great story because he really he he picks something he wants to do, and somehow he's able to just kind of overcome those fears that most of I have most most of us yeah. have, and just and just runs with it. Just runs with it, yeah. And it you know it's amazing how many things actually can kind of happen if you if you have that mentality. Oh, definitely. And I just I think I just admire people who can get their own kind of um, projects and their own ideas out there. And that's why, you know, even when uh, we're talking about the acting world, I look like someone like Tina Fey to me is super successful because she, she got up to the point where she's making her own shows and in a position of power and producing her own things. And they all reflect a very specific like worldview and sense of humor and everything. So she got beyond just, you know, 
acting here and there to actually produce something she loves. So, mm-hmm. how long do you have to be in one place before you feel like you got to get out of there and go travel? <laughs> oh, for me, it's like anything over a month. Like, over a month. <laughs> and well, when I say travel, it doesn't like I could be in LA for a few months and not do any major international trips, but I still do need to be like, all right, we're going to Death Valley this weekend or yeah. all right, you know, I'm going to Zion National Park or just something. Um, yeah, a month I think is my cutoff point where I'm like, I need to see something else. <laughs> what do you think it is that, that kind of gives you that itch? You know, I, I, I wish I could pin it down so maybe I could uh, tamp it down sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um, because sometimes it'll just be somewhere going insane. Um, I, I think it's just... I think it's just needing a change of scenery, needing a change of, um, I mean, I think, I think when your environment changes, it kind of changes you mm-hmm. somewhat. Like you can, you get out of your routine and you stop worrying so much. And I think what happens is when we're in, when we're in one place, in one routine with the same people, we tend to get bogged down by pettier things, if that makes any sense. So we, yeah. we get that we tend to like, have all these concerns and anxieties about day-to-day stuff that the second you're removed from that situation, suddenly you don't care anymore. You know, yeah, like, exactly. Oh, that wasn't important at all. It's and I'll say they're stressing about it when you're in one right. place. Like you're in one place and suddenly it's like, Oh, you know, I sent out to this work contact. They have responded to my email. Did I do something wrong? This guy doesn't <laughs> won't text me back, like blah, blah, blah. And then you leave and you're like, yeah, everything's fine. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. It, kind of to finish up with a little bit, of, a little bit more advice. You said you didn't have a, a lot of fear when it came to traveling solo, but are there any other like major kind of fears or obstacles in your life that you had to overcome? And is there anything that you can kind of share that might help people overcome similar fears? I mean, I think my my biggest fear was, um, I, although I don't know if you can really term it fear, but my biggest fear was actually my social kind of anxiety okay. and because it wasn't just that I was introverted. Like I was shy to the point of just not being able to speak to people or, you know, form connections with new people. Um, I only had a couple close friends I'd known forever and that was it. Um, and I can't point to a specific moment where I overcame that. Like I definitely know that being in college helped and, you know, having to kind of having to meet new people mm-hmm. helped. Um, but I think traveling definitely helped that a lot and helping connect with people. And I think the advice I'd give to people is I think when you have that much social anxiety, it's it's a reflection of kind of a lot of self-consciousness. Yeah. And I think when you realize that, like, everyone is too wrapped up in their own shit to, like, really care about what you're <laughs> doing or judge you, I think that actually removes a lot of pressure. Yeah, like, so true. Because well, sometimes, you know, you'll leave a social situation being like, oh, what do they think of the way I said that or whatever? And one, maybe one time out of ten, someone will be like, oh, my God, why does she talk like that? And then forget it the next moment. But nine times out of 10, the other person probably had in their minds like, oh, I should really get up and do this thing tomorrow. I forgot to send this to work. Like they're not even paying that much attention. Yeah, the thoughts about you are so brief and fleeting that. (laughs) Right, exactly. No one's going to sit there and be like, it's like, yeah, no one's sitting behind your back making little meetings being about how weird you are or whatever. That's not happening. (laughs) Yeah. And I I wonder too, if just, you know, the solo travel may be one thing, but um, I also was extremely shy growing up and we, we owned like our own little convenience store and. Sometimes mm-hmm. my mom would try to have me go in there to like get something. And I was terrified to do that, even though I knew the people in there and it was our store. So, <laughs> so it's like, it, it was, it was a battle growing up too. And, um, wow. but I wonder if just putting yourself into situations where you have to, you're kind of forced to dealing with this, like the solo travel or, you know, going to college, it's almost like you have to, to pick a situation or something that you can do that is going to 
just that will force you force to open it, up. yeah and just kind of like take well, that dive to do it and then once you're in it you're you can't get out so you have to figure it out oh 100 yeah. i mean it's like what's that phrase uh necessity is the mother of invention it's, it's yeah. kind of the same thing like when you have to do something and this is also my big um you know like hurrah for solo travel and why i push it so much because when you go somewhere with your friends and obviously you know i do travel with my friends and it can be a great time but when you go somewhere with friends, you have this kind of little protective bubble around you mm -hmm. and people are like, oh, you know, I didn't really meet people. I didn't make connections. I'm like, yeah, but you didn't you didn't have to. Like yeah. you had people to talk to. You had people around you. So, you know, why would you when it comes down to it? Um, and when you travel solo, you will at some point want to, you know, have a conversation with a human being <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, at some point <laughs> or just like even basic things, just like ask how to get around or ask, you know, well, what's the place recommended or something. So. Yeah. And that will absolutely force you to talk to people because, I mean, what's your other choice? Like not talk to anyone for weeks on end. That can happen. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. What makes it even better, too, is if you don't have cell service in that country and then you're really oh, forced. Yes. <laughs> that was my recent experience. So that was fun. Oh, you didn't have service? No, oh, I mean, I, could, I, I stayed in hostels. So, you know, you get you get all the info you can on the Wi-Fi and then you kind of just jump out and hope you can <laughs> figure it out from there. Jump out and hope for the best. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a good experience. Um, <laughs> Do you have any other projects you're kind of working on or working toward right now that you'd want to tell people about? Well, at the moment, not so much. At the moment, I'm focusing on getting um, a lot of content up on my blog. Mm -hmm. um, I'm focusing on – I actually just had a film project wrap earlier this year that is now um, – because I'm also in contact with producers. I, can't, I actually can't talk too much about specifics with that. Yeah. But um, that is something I'm working on and trying to kind of see what's happening with distribution with everything like that. Very cool. So those are my two big things I'm working on at the moment. And besides that, I haven't, um, I'm pitching a couple of projects at the moment. I haven't had any definite thing come in yet, but I am trying to approach, um, I would love to do a collaboration with Greek tourism because Ooh, besides, yeah. you know, that it's my home country and I love them. I do think that Greece has so much more to offer because most people go to Greece and it's like, it's not even Athens. It's Acropolis, Mykonos, Santorini. Uh -huh. Done. Like, and you know, that, or, you know, they'll just spend 12 hours in Athens to go see Acropolis, go take a plane to Mykonos, spend the rest of the time there and then go home. Uh -huh. And I feel like Greece has so much more to offer. Like, yeah, Mykonos is great. Santorini is great. But I mean, Greece is 200 islands and it also has beautiful <laughs> mountains and it also has people go snowboarding in the winter and it has these gorgeous like landmarks and sites all throughout the Peloponnese and throughout the north. And it was eye opening to me a couple of years ago. Because, you know, it's amazing how sometimes you don't explore, like, your own country so much. Uh -huh. You know, you keep going abroad and you, you've missed out on your own country. So I had never really been north of Athens up until a couple of years ago on the mainland. I had gone uh, south and I'd gone a couple of islands, um, but I hadn't really been up north. And I went and the the cities and the villages and the nature was absolutely, like, mind-blowing. And I'm like, why don't people know about yeah. this? <laughs> I didn't even know about this, but it it was gorgeous. And yeah, so I'd love to do a collaboration and kind of, um, where I could maybe promote the less visited destination. So I'm getting in touch with people now and kind of seeing what we can put together. Yeah. It sounds like a great project. That's exciting. Yeah. Do you have any final advice you want to give people for kind of either following, you know, their creative passions or doing some travel? Well, the advice I have to give them, I, I can't actually take credit for because it it's something I heard said by someone else, but it was one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. It's, um, I would say if you're scared of doing something because of the time it'll take, um, just keep in mind that the time will pass anyway. And it's probably the best thing I've ever heard because uh, yeah. a lot of people are like, Oh, but you know, if I do this, it'll take like five years until I get anywhere and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but those five years, 
I mean, those five years are going to go by. Uh-huh. So are, do you want to spend it doing building something you love or do you want to just let it go by, you know, in a routine you don't like doing something you don't like? So I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard. It's like, you know, we all have a set amount of time. You might as well spend it building something for yourself and doing something you love. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, I mean, I think we covered quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it just the final advice is, you know, get over yourself. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> just don't don't worry about so much about things and life just gets better yeah, <laughs> automatically. Yeah. That's, so. that's good advice too. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you online? What are the best uh, best outlets? Um, so besides my blog, which is losethemap.com, um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm, I'm really active. Instagram's like my favorite channel because I, yeah, I do it's kind of become the everything now. Oh yeah. 100%. Um, so you can find me there on at lose the map underscore. I wish I could tell you it was just at lose the map, but whoever has that handle refuses to give it to me. So <laughs> <laughs> damn them. Let um, go of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I guess also if anyone's listening to this and happens to be the person who has the handle at lose the map, please give it to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, at lose the map underscore, you can find me there. And um, I also have my acting website, which is uh, joannacalafatis.com. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are my places. So <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Joanna. This is, this is really great to talk to you and kind of get your perspective on travel and creative process. So really appreciate oh, thank you. Thank you this. so much for the interview. I mean, it always surprised me when, you know, people want to hear what I have to say. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's a nice sailing. <laughs> well, good luck on your uh, projects and your travel to come here. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. All right. Take care, Joanna. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow me, John Jerko, at John Jerko on Twitter and Instagram, and find out more about Odyssey and News, including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandnews.com. We now have a separate Odyssey and Muse Instagram feed where we'll be posting audio teasers for each episode along with photos from our guests. On the website, I'm including three to five takeaways for each episode so you can get some value out of what we covered at a glance. Remember, you can find us on all of your favorite platforms like SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Folks, we spend hours every week preparing for the show, editing interviews, and putting together bonus content for you to enjoy. If you like what we're doing, we would love your support. You can now donate a small amount to us one time or monthly by going to the website and clicking donate. Even a couple dollars goes a long way. You can pay for a coffee that keeps us sane for the week or keep our web hosting bills paid up. Most importantly, please take a couple of minutes to go to iTunes to subscribe and rate the show. It's the only way the show gets noticed in this world of never-ending content. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, follow your true north.